no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are a Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will break down the Bears' early season performance and much more. Hey, Dub, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Press. How about you? Man, I'm good, man. I missed uh, seeing the Bears playing on Sunday. It felt kind of weird not having a game. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Very did you, different. Yeah, did you uh, did you catch that Cowboys game? I caught part of it, you know, um, but... I think I got. I think I catch more, capture most of it. That Dak Prescott injury is what hurt me the most. Yeah, man, that's tough to see that, bro. And that's all the more reason why we on this podcast have been harping about a Rob getting his paper. And we'll talk about that later in this episode, man. But it's so important, man, for these players to be taken care of financially because you can see just in the instance like these guys can suffer an injury that could just be gruesome, and that was a bad injury to see. Yes, it was, and I felt so bad for him. Man, I felt bad. Dude, like you saw the pain in his face. You know, he wanted to be out there for his team. I, man, just seeing that, you, you're right, man. Your heart breaks when you see that, right? Yes, it does. And I'm glad to see he has some good teammates over there, you know, showing some support and love to him. You, you need that because it's going to be a tough role for recovery. Yeah, I was seeing they were saying four to six months on the recovery for that. And for our audience, if you guys didn't realize, Dak Prescott was in contract negotiations with the Cowboys and those contracts broke down. Dak was playing under a franchise tag for one year to guarantee him $31 million this season. Uh, however, he's got an uncertain future now. And A-Dub, I was going to see what you thought about this, but I think his representatives, his agents, and those guys, they need to be fired because I think they, uh, they didn't do a good job handling this negotiation between he and Jerry Jones and the organization. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's another question there. That's another concern there. Um, I, I'll tell you one thing. I bet he wish he had Tony Romo's agents. No kidding, dude. The agent uh, that, that he had for the Cowboys and the one that gave him the back for CBS. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Both of them. <laughs> well, man, let's get into it, man. Um, this uh, this Bears season, you know, we we had our, uh, you know, last episode. We were very uh, pumped about the, the season and, and we're 4-1, heading into a very important matchup here against the Carolina Panthers. But I wanted to, you know, take some time here and just kind of do – you know, a little current news that's going on with the team. So over the weekend, A-Dub, we saw that one of our practice players tested positive for COVID. Did you uh, see that? Yes, sir. Yeah, I got a chance to see that too. One thing about that, uh, I, I noticed uh, when they talked about that, they said that the practice squad players, in essence, don't really have much involvement with the team or something along those lines. Um, and Matt Nagy also made a comment that this week they were telling the practice squad guys to stay away from, the, uh, from Hallis Hall. Um, and it looks like the Bears are going to be revamping their schedule a little bit. So I can right. think tomorrow, what, what, what they say, they're going to do is like a walkthrough instead of doing like a 10 on 10 on 10. 
Right. It's going to be something small where it's not, you know, what we normally would do. So, yeah, they're making some changes to that. Yeah. And I will tell you this, uh, A-Dub and, the, and our listeners, it's going to be very important for these teams to actually follow these protocols, um, not basically talk about how they're wearing masks and taking these precautions, but actually doing it. Because we see what happened with the Tennessee Titans and they had that outbreak happen there. And we've also started to see games being rescheduled. And if we don't get a hold of this thing, we're going to see a lot of uh, repercussions and ramifications coming through with cancellations and stuff of that nature. Right, because it's, it's a little bit unique from how basketball is operating, where they're operating in a bubble. It's going to be hard to put this many teams, 32 teams, in a bubble. Right. With You think about it, you got a 53-man roster, and these NFL teams, they travel with a ton of coaches and scouts and all type of personnel. You can't put all those people in a bubble. Exactly. I know in baseball, A-Dub, you remember their numbers started to get kind of crazy, and they were able to get that under control, and then they put themselves in a bubble uh, when the postseason came up. I wonder if the NFL is going to uh, – think about doing something like that or maybe putting the players in some sort of a hotel scenario uh, once the playoffs start. Cause then you have smaller numbers to think about. Exactly. They may have, they may consider that for sure, because you're right. Um, from a st- standpoint of traveling, like you said, the exposure, all those different things does play a, a big part of that. So they're going to have to consider making some changes around what they might do from a playoff standpoint. I believe what you're saying there, maybe some sort of bubble that may work out a destination for all the teams. Exactly right. Uh, because we can't have what's happening with Tennessee. And I'm telling you this, A-Dub, it's going to get me a little fired up here. But Tennessee, if the NFL should do some sort of investigation, because now they're having a coach that came and tested positive. I'm like, there's obviously somebody that's not following rules there. And the NFL should make these guys forfeit these games, just in my opinion. Well, you know what? If they don't make them forfeit the games, maybe find them or something, right? Because <laughs> I think you're right. Those protocols are very important to follow. And it looks like some, there are some holes there, some gaps. So they got to do a better job with that. Yeah, they absolutely do because, I mean, we have the Titans on our uh, on our schedule coming up here. Uh, I think it's week nine, right? So <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> exactly. We don't need to bring that to Chicago. <laughs> no, uh-uh, not at all. Not at all. But a couple of things I want to talk to you about. So we, we, we touched on the COVID test that we had positive. It's a player that it seems like from what the organization mentioned, uh, he was someone that they're just trying to figure out uh, who he came in contact with within the roster. They're doing a lot of that contract tracing. So I think they're still trying to figure a lot of that stuff out. But some things that I wanted to basically throw out to our audience about what the Bears have kind of done with the practice squad in the last week or so, we've seen that the Bears signed Lamar Miller, uh, the running back. He was cut by the, uh, the New England Patriots. And we also signed Kai Forbath, the kicker. Hey, Doug, what do you think about these moves? Um, Lamar, you know, I, I like that move right there because you know what, with, with, with Cohen being gone, we're probably going to need somebody more, um, in, in reliable in the backfield. I mean, Lamar was able to do, was very good in passing game. It was also very good in the rushing game as well. So, um, having another rusher back there in case Montgomery get wore down and you know how our line has been these past couple of weeks been tough. So, uh, with that, it could give us a new, a different look if he's able to come to show us what he has, right. To show us that he's still durable. Um, can, can actually help us out in the backfield. So we'll see. I like that pickup. I think he can help us. He's a veteran. Um, sometimes you need that veteran leadership too. Yeah, one of the things too uh, for our audience, so when he was with the Patriots, the Patriots actually released Lamar Miller uh, September 5th. And they said at the time that they thought that Lamar Miller still had talent. They just think that it was going to take him a little bit longer to get ramped up physically um, over the course of the season. And so that's why they went ahead and released him. So I'm wondering at what point we'll see him get called up from the practice squad um, to play on our active roster. Yeah, because we tell you, you know how it is. When you, when you tell your ACL, that's a big part of, of, uh, 
of your ability to, to run effectively. I mean, a lot of people don't come back from that injury right there, especially as a running back. So we'll see if he's able to, like I said, make, make that jump up. And if he's able to get back, get on the squad with us, with our team with Montgomery, that would be fantastic if he's able to show that kind of a sign. Yeah, because I think uh, based on what I saw with him when he played for the Dolphins and the Texans, he had a really good year in 2018 with the Texans. I think he would be a perfect complement to Montgomery in the backfield. And then you can maybe make Cordell Patterson, you know, more of a, I would say, a gadget, you know, kind of one-off type of player. We're not depending on getting him five to ten carries a game, right? I totally agree with that. Also, uh, we talked briefly about the uh, the Kai Forbath signing. It makes me wonder, A-Dub, What's going on with Eddie Pinero? So I mentioned uh, on one of our previous episodes that he was set to return or he was eligible to return off the IR in week four. And Nagy mentioned at that time that, that uh, Eddie was not ready. So now we see that now a kicker has been signed to the practice squad. What, what do you think about that? And is that something that our fans should be worried about? You know what? I think we should be worried about it because what this pretty much says to us really is that we're unsure about Eddie's health. Maybe he's showing some good signs of you know, being able to return. Maybe he's not, but adding another kicker pretty much tells us that, hey, maybe Eddie isn't as ready as we thought he was. So we need to consider other options, right? In case Santos decides to, you know, go a different direction, you want to have somebody else on standby. At least take a look at right? You want to be proactive. I think this is one of those things where the Bears are being proactive. And I actually like this because I was very critical of Pace in the season where Cody Parkey was missing field goals down the stretch. They didn't right. add any, anybody to the mix, and we trotted him out there, and you saw what he did to our season. So I think in this instance, I think it's awesome that Pace is actually adding some insurance because let's not forget, Santos had a great game and hit that game winner on Thursday, but he's been a little inconsistent beyond 40 yards because let's be honest, when he kicked that ball, I think a lot of our fan base was probably cringing and expecting the worst, but he, he knocked it down. But he's missed two field goals um, outside of like, I think, 45 yards on the season. So I think they're probably bringing him, uh, bringing Kai uh, Forbath in also to kind of keep uh, Kyra Santos, uh, kind of keep him sharp. I think you got to, right? You got to let Santos know not to get too comfortable like what you did last game. But you're right. You got to be consistent. So, what I, again, what I was looking for is you and I talked about last podcast or last episode, two episodes ago, actually. We were talking about Santos in, the, in regards to being able to kick, you know, beyond 35 yards. Again, you make that 47 yard. That's good. But you're right. We're looking for consistency around that. So, can you do it again? next week when we play against the Panthers, right? Can you do it again a week after that? So we're looking forward to that consistency around 40-plus yards. Let's uh, let's touch on a little bit of the injuries that we've had um, um, so far for the season and kind of get our listeners a little updated. So as everyone knows, uh, Tariq Cohen is out for the season with the torn ACL, right? We lost James Daniels to the torn pectoral. He's now out for the season. Alex right. Bars is now the next man up. And we briefly talked about Alex Bars in our last episode. a do you have any concern with Alex Bars, or do you think that we're good to go with him, or do, would you like to see that the Bears pick up maybe an interior uh, body just to kind of maybe help out? Well, you know what? I'm kind of concerned, you know, with Alex Bars because when he first came in the game against um, the Bucks, he gave up a sack right away. From that standpoint, I have to be a little bit concerned with him because I'm not sure how much growth has he gained over that time frame. And I think we should consider, you know, bringing in another person just in case because we can't trust Bars then what we're going to do next, right? So uh, I am concerned about that because, again, I don't know what he can bring to the table. So far, we didn't look good with him in the lineup. I understand it was a short week for him because uh, probably wasn't expecting to play at all. He probably didn't even get any reps, too, this, you know, that week. Right. So mm-hmm. I won't be the judge really into the next game. Let's see how he goes against next game because, again, this week against the Bucks, he kind of came in against a really tough, strong defense that plays very good in the rushing game, right? So um, yep. 
I want to see what he does when we play against maybe a little bit softer defense against the Panthers. I want to see how he play against those guys. We have another week where he doesn't look so good. I think at this point, Pace may want to consider another option. To your point, uh, Alex Bars, I mean, an experienced player. He was when the Bears picked him up as an um, undrafted free agent. He was kind of he was kind of like a project for them on the offensive line. So he didn't right. really play much last season, right? Now he's being thrust into the role of replacing our best lineman in James Daniels, who James Daniels really was impressive um, in what we saw in these in these four games uh, so far in the season. Um, and offensive line is a depth issue for this team because when you look at the offensive line depth, uh, A-Dub, we got Rashad Coward back there. Uh, we have, what, Jason Spriggs. I mean, we, we don't have a lot of people back there that gives me any sort of uh, confidence. And then there's also a, a rookie offensive tackle with that Arlington Hambrick. But that's pretty much what we're limited to um, with our reserves. Right. And notice that Rashad wasn't even a guy even thought of as coming to the game last game when Dangles got uh, injured. So, that tells you pretty much what the team thinks about him, really. I understand it's a different role, different position, but still, still part of the line and maybe something he can learn or grow into. But I don't think they even thought about putting him in there. I think it's more of a high host for bars than there is for uh, Rashad. Yeah, and also, too, A-Dub, most of the time when we've seen Rashad Coward in the game, he mostly was on that right side of the line, so either at the right, right guard or the right tackle position. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or if the fact that they just have more confidence in bars, right? Right, exactly. And you're right, it's two different positions, really. But, you know, you look at who, who you have on your, on your um, roster that's strong, right, who can take on that role. And so far, it looks like the only guy that we have left within the system, within our depth, is Bars. So we have to, we have to go with him and see what he can bring to the table right now. Exactly. Also, too, uh, we, we have a couple of other injuries that are going on. We got Deion Bush and Sheriff McManus that have missed time with hamstring injuries. Long term, what do you think that that might have an effect with that secondary because we saw uh, a dub how Dion Bush was coming in on passing downs to spell uh, Danny Trevathan. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that's a big piece we're missing. You know, we're putting a lot on, on some of our other guys like Bo Jacks, a lot being placed on him, a lot being placed on Fuller, Jalen Johnson as well, a lot placed on him because of that, that missing piece. With that, it's going to take a collective effort to make up that ground because you're right. He was very good with helping, very good in the run game. I mean, the run defense, Without him out there, it's going to hurt. But I think we got a couple of good guys out there, I will say. With Jalen Johnson, I've been impressed with him. Uh, yep. Again, Fuller's the Pro Bowl, of course, and Bojack. I think we still got a very good, solid secondary, even without him, though. Yeah, and we saw that uh, DeAndre Houston Carson made that play at the end of the game to, to seal it for him. So he came off the bench to help out there. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think the secondary, I don't think we're going to have any issues there. Um, with that team, but it's just with the Dion Bush, I hope you can make it back within the next couple of weeks. Those hamstring injuries can be very tricky, though. I agree. And those injuries like that can nag on you for a few more weeks, you know? So um, with that, I'm hoping he come back healthy. The other thing I wanted to touch on, going back to Alex Barr, so you definitely made a, a great point in the sense that he had his welcome to the NFL moment with Vita Vey basically embarrassed the shit out of him. The thing that I noticed with Nagy in that game, though, he started to game plan to kind of like protect bars a little bit. I don't know if you noticed yes, that. I noticed it. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I think with Nagy, he knows that that left side of his line is not going to be his strong side of the line. So we're going to have to probably focus more of that effort in the run game towards the right side. Hopefully that left side can maybe, you know, not break down as much. Right. And, you know, you make it, you brought up a good point on that because you're right. 
we got to really operate towards our right side with the Fetty and those guys over there. Because I think that's where you say, that's where our leverage is at. The left side, <laughs> the other side, let's, let's, let's stop over there, man. <laughs> man. So I want Foles to think about that. When you tail back, Foles, you go back in the pocket. Think about which side you want to run to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of the left side, man, don't do not do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> the other person on um, that was on injured reserve was uh, our uh, reserve defensive lineman, uh, John Jenkins. He was on uh, injured reserve. He had a thumb injury. He's actually eligible to return uh, to this game upcoming this weekend. And he's actually eligible to return back to practice. So that could be a good guy coming back into the lineup for us, especially with this Panthers team that's going to probably definitely want to run the ball and maybe do a little bit of that control type offense with Mike Davis maybe potentially starting if Christian McCaffrey isn't able to come back. So I would love to have somebody that can basically take up some blocks in the middle and help Trevathan and Roquan. I would love that. Having them back. Oh, yeah, the nose, going through the nose type. I mean, going up the middle. I mean, yeah, this guy can move some guys just like Hicks can. Uh, we would love to see that. And I, I think it will be a long night, you know, for the Panthers if he was to come back for that game. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the last thing that I wanted to touch on, and this is just something that's really kind of bothering me, A-Dub, and we had a lot of momentum when um, and Allen Robinson started removing, you know, the Bears stuff from his social media and the fans were all rallying around and we were seeing all the hashtags extend A-Rob and the team started to have conversations with his agency again. But then now we've seen the talks have broken down again. What are your thoughts there? And, and do you are you um, are you optimistic that we'll be able to, to maybe get an extension deal done with A Rob this season? I think he's showing his value these past couple games for sure. If um, Pace have not looked at that, I understand the talks have broken down. Uh, have not been talking much about it. But the thing is, they also got to understand his value. Do we want to bring him in at the cup kind of a payment, right? What the Rams offer um, their wide receiver? Do we want to bring him up there a little bit higher than that? So really, they're really still, again, trying to uh, understand its value of how it, based upon how he operates with foals. Um, because, again, you really couldn't see most of that, unfortunately, with Mitch because we didn't air the ball out like that. But now that you're seeing that uh, we're getting Robinson a lot more opportunities in the, in the passing game. With that, I'm not too much worried. I believe we'll still sign him back. But I think now it's more about, okay, at what, at what price? Right. So two points that I want to make, because you make a good point in the, in, the, in, the, in the sense of the quarterback change, right? And we'll definitely probably get into that a little bit later here. But I'm sure A-Rob was very happy with the quarterback change, right? Because he's got a guy <laughs> in Foles that could get him the ball. This is a, a contract year for A-Rob. Right, <laughs> I'm right. Sh- I'm sure he wants some catchable passes coming his way, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but also the point that I kind of made in the beginning part of this episode is just seeing that Dak Prescott injury yesterday. I'm sure A-Rob, that's definitely amplifying in his head of wanting to get some sort of long-term security for himself because this is also, like I mentioned, a guy that's had a torn ACL in his injury history, right? Right. And so a guy like that, I'm sure he definitely wants to make sure that he can be compensated and have that, that financial security because look at what happened with Tariq Cohen. At least Tariq Cohen was fortunate enough to get that contract extension and he has that long-term security locked up. Right, right. And we just saw a lot of guys going down. You know, we saw Howard for the Bucks that went down. So, so yep. many guys that went down this year, and most of, most of those guys probably have security. If mm-hmm. Allen Robinson goes down, like you said, where's the security for him? Exactly, because it's not there. I mean, also, we saw Vita Vey in that game on Thursday. He also went down with a season injury. And didn't injure. Right, exactly. So, it's a lot of guys going down like that, you know. Uh, we saw for, um, for the Giants, right? Their running back, um, Barkley, went down. So, yep. it's like so many guys this year have gone down to injuries. 
It's unfortunate, right. but it's just tough when you see it happening. And I know you, as a player, you want to have financial you know, flexibility when these kind of things um, occur. Exactly. I mean, this is such a violent sport. And we're also looking at the sense that these guys didn't have a real training camp period, A-Dub. Let's be honest, right? Right, right. You know, and so it's not surprising that we're seeing a lot of these injuries because these guys are probably still ramping up into football shape. And again, as we mentioned earlier before on this podcast, that these guys didn't get a chance to train like they normally would. They didn't get to work out like they normally would. They didn't have no preseason either to prepare. It was like, really, you know, you have to jump into the season. I mean, that's that's tough to do, man. Because, like, you got to look at it like a, a, a race car, right? You got you to gotta take care of that thing, man, because if you don't, man, that thing's going to stall out, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we got a little small, scared Montgomery early, right, in practice. So, yes. Yes, because when the way, when that reporting came out for that one, man, when they were like, oh, non-contact injury, whenever you hear something like that, you think the worst immediately, right? So Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but the thing with A-Rob I want our listeners to be aware of is that he's actually eligible to become an unrestricted free agent in uh, 2021, and he would be the top uh, wide receiver on the market. And we looked at A-Dub, a lot of these deals that were done with receivers, and that receiver uh, market is probably north of $20 million a year right now. Yeah, it's going up, man. <laughs> that market is going up. Um, and I think the NFL is starting to realize, you know, well, first of all, it's money in the NFL, that's one. But they also yep. starting to realize the value of these players, right, who are very good talent-wise, skill-wise. And I'll tell you right now, you and I both know Allen Robinson is one of those guys, one of those top-tier uh, wide receivers. So, yeah, it's important for us to look at how much you want to pay this guy going forward because – He's one of those guys who, um, as we've seen, reliable for us. Yep. And um, compared to the other top-tier guys out there, he's very good against those guys, you know? And he falls right in line with how those great quarterbacks, um, sorry, great wide receivers are playing right now. Yeah, man. And the one thing, too, is um, the reporting that's coming out on this is saying that the team this, the team and, and A-Rob's agent, they're far apart um, in their proposals. So I wonder if A-Rob's camp is kind of circling around that $20 million Mark, and who knows where the Bears are coming in at because they're probably trying to lowball him, right? Because what they'll do is they'll probably try to put his numbers against him. But you know what? A-Rob also had the, the, the misfortune of basically having a lot of uncatchable balls thrown his way, right? Let's just exactly. Be so, you know, it's kind of tough because when you give this guy footballs and his catch radius, he's going to bring those in nine times out of ten. Yeah, look at his last three games. I mean, what? Against Tampa Bay, 10 receptions, 90 yards. Andy against a great defense. Andy seven receptions, 101 yards against ATL. Ten reception, 123 yards. So it's like this guy's is like you say, he's he's a weapon out there. And guess what? Our quarterbacks love throwing it to him. So you got to take that into consideration. That's exactly right. And the one thing I'm going to tell you, with each week the A Rob is putting up numbers, the closer he gets to free agency, that price is only going up, baby. Exactly, exactly. One thing we got to look at as well is if we let A Rob go, who else do we have? Oh, God, don't even – you know what? Don't I'm going to have to crack open the beer, man. You're going to start getting me upset, bro. Let me crack open mine, too. What you cracking <laughs> over, bro? <laughs> man, I'm, I'm drinking this Oktoberfest, Kids Lager, man. I can't believe you said that because I'm telling you, if we lose A-Rob, we stuck with Anthony Miller. Now, I, I know your boy, uh, your boy Donnell Money Moon. I'm going to give you your props on that. Your boy Money Moon. We got him, right? But you got to look at some of these other guys that we don't even get to see what we got. We don't know what we got in Javon Williams. We don't uh, know. Uh, I don't know, free uh, Riley Ridley, you know? Don't know, don't know. <laughs> we don't know about him either, right? <laughs> and so the one thing, too, when you look at this wide receiver position, it could be a situation, A-Dub, that if the Bears and A-Rob don't figure out a long-term deal, 
we may be looking at them giving him a franchise tag. And we know how a lot of players feel about that franchise tag. You may have an unhappy star player on your team. Oh, yeah. That franchise tag is, for some reason, it, it blowballs you <laughs> when you talk yeah. about financials. And you want the max you can possibly get. And I think A-Rob is looking for that max you can possibly can get. So, uh, but we got to look internal. Like you said, we don't have, I mean, Mooney, I love him. That's my guy. Money Moon. But the thing is, <laughs> he's still got some ways to go, right? Still right. got some ways to go. Miller's been, what, inconsistent? So it's like, okay, who can we rely on? I mean, no no quarterback want to come here. I mean, if we decide to move on from Foles and Mitch at some point, if we decide, no other quarterback want to come here and throw to nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Just man. be honest, man. No, you keeping it a buck. I, I feel you, man. I got nothing for you on that one. And I mean, and also just speaking of that, right? So, I mean, we have this whole quarterback uh, debacle that's going on here, right? So we had Mitch in the first three games that he was benched. And you know what? You know my thoughts on that. I thought that maybe Nagy pulled the trigger a little too soon on that. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Foles got the job done on Thursday. I'm on board. I told you listeners and AW and I've had a lot of conversations. I said, look, I'm going to ride with whoever's behind center. If right. they give us a chance to win, I'm riding with them. And I'm looking in this situation with Foles, uh, A-Dub, and I'm like, you know what? This QB switch actually bowled really well for Allen Robinson because look at his numbers, dude. He's number seven in the NFL in yards uh, for the season. Right. So he's getting the ball. Absolutely. And that's pretty much Foles' game. Foles want to air it out, right? He wants to let our wide receivers make plays. And I think, as a matter of fact, you ask me as a fan, it's exciting to watch. You know, right. I don't want to. I don't want to see a grind out game all the time. I want to see some explosions. <laughs> the AW, you 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 realize that you live in Chicago, man, and you wish you was in KC. I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, the, the tradition with, with Chicago, you know, is better than I do. The tradition in Chicago has always been about our defense and our running backs, right? Run the ball, play hard defense. But you know what? With the new age, I kind of like the excitement of throwing the ball in the air, too, you know? I want to see right. some amazing catches. You know, yeah. that's, that's all part of the game, and I like that. And, I mean, I got a different vibe when Hester was playing, right? When he was running the ball and, and you know, when uh, kickoff returns, punt returns, touchdown gave us a different vibe, right? Guess what? A-Rob is giving us a different vibe as well with some of these excitement plays that he's making on the outside. So I like this. Also, too, one of the things with Foles that I have – I've gone back and I've looked at the film on him from the, the last two games – and I think that our offense, we should be able to push the ball down the field a little bit more um, with Foles. And I think, hopefully, A-Dub, that we'll be able to utilize Nagy's full playbook, right? Because he always says how he's got, like, this elaborate playbook. And I don't think that he was able to call everything he wanted under Mitch. Right. So I think Foles does give us that opportunity to do that. So I think as Foles settles in and becomes more comfortable as the season progresses, mm-hmm. I think we should be looking at, you know, pretty good stuff. Um, oh, I think so, too. I, I agree with you. I mean, yep. you want to play fast, right? I think Foles want to play fast. I think, matter of fact, last game, remember he wanted to go fast? Nagy yeah. slowed him down, remember? Yeah, I remember on that drive, and, and Nagy's decision to slow them down actually killed the drive, eh, Dub? Because you remember, Foles had them guys on their heels. He had them off balance. We were pushing that tempo down the field. And what 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 your boy uh, Nagy do? He, he substitutes people in because he wanted to get Patterson in the game to call that play to him. And to Nagy's defense, both of those guys were correct. But in Nagy's defense, that should have been a touchdown if we didn't have the offensive line breakdown that we had on that play. Correct. Exactly. It would have been a good play. You're right. But that line broke down. And like you said, sometimes it's got to take advantage of the momentum. And so in that situation, I like that situation. And Because you bring up a good point. I like 
that dynamic between those two. So when I looked at that, a lot of those, I saw a lot of fans on Twitter. They were like, oh, man, Nick Foles is treating them and this and that. But I was like, no, I'm looking deeper in this in the fact that that is a conversation between a quarterback that understands the game. He understands this offense. He had a feel for the game, and he basically did not like that the momentum was being killed. And you had a head coach that probably has a little bit of an ego, and he didn't like being called on this shit, right? Right, and then, right. <laughs> and, then you, and then you had Mitch probably come and walking in and probably not really knowing what the hell's going on, right? He kind of looked clueless when he walked into that conversation. But it, that was like, that reminded me of like when we were kids and we walked in on the grown ups talking. And it's like, oh, it's a grown up conversation. Go sit your ass down somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, being, with that point though, is the fact that you could tell that Foles and Nagy are still kind of ironing out some of the wrinkles. They're still getting used to each other. Because like you mentioned on, on some earlier podcasts, Nagy hasn't called plays for Foles before, right? right. So he's still, he's still getting used to kind of his style and how he likes to, to, you know, to run the game. Absolutely. The one thing, though, I will say this, A-Dub, and, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Because I still, in my heart of hearts, I look at Nick Foles and I say, man, I know he could get it done in spurts, right? right. But I still think about the fact that this guy's been on five different teams in nine seasons and he hasn't been like a long-term answer. So what I'm wondering is, do you think that this guy is going to be able to have sustained success for us over the course of this season? I think so this season because, uh, you know, a lot of things he played for, right, they all, they all are on the different dynamics, right? I mean, he didn't have much issues with the Eagles. It's just they wanted to go with the other quarterback. That's what yeah. it was with the Eagles. Right. So, um, you put they, went with the, they went with the draft pick. Exactly, exactly. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. You know, um, that's kind of how the game goes, right? You go with your young phenom. You think you got a young phenom, you go with that person over the veteran, right? For example, you remember when um, um, Bledsoe was playing for the um, Patriots, right? He yep. was still good at the Patriots. But guess what? They decided to go with Tom Brady. Uh-huh. Not that they made, made, a, made a bad decision, uh, but the thing, we know with Foles, it's not our long-term solution. You're right. He has some, he's a journeyman now. I mean, he's been around. Right. He's also solid, though. So uh, he has some hiccups with the last team he played for. They weren't in a good position anyway. Uh, it was more than just him. It was pretty much the entire offense, the defense. Everything was going wrong over there. So uh, I can't put everything off on him. They were playing a style that wasn't even conducive to his style of play. And let's be honest, it's the Jaguars, dude. They're trash. So it, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they, they just not, they just did a fire sale this year, right? Yeah, they really <laughs> so, did. They really did. <laughs> right. So you put them with a, a, a team that's already structured, that got a core already, right? Got guys in place. Got a good defense. I mean, for, for the most part, we're a pretty good, solid team, really, that you really think about. It. You know, we have a line issue, whatever, but for the most part, we are solid. So you put him with our team now, right? And so I need you to throw the ball. He has no problem doing that, coming to a decent infrastructure. Yeah, and another thing, too, when you look at with Foles, I think that he has the talent to help support this defense, A-Dub, because you and I talk about this all the time. This defense, you don't want to waste this talent because we got dogs on that defense, but we right. need our offense to complement what the defense is able to do. Right. And right. I think the foes can get that done because if we get this offense to generate 20 points a game, I'm fairly confident that we can win some games. I know some Bear fans always say, why do we always got to settle for scoring 20 points? I'm like, guess what? Our defense is that good that we can, if we put them in good spots, I feel we can shut teams down. Exactly. And you know what? Our defense have shown time and time so far with through these five games that, hey, we can play defense with the best of them. <laughs> and um, our guys, I mean, Khalil Mack is starting to turn it up now. So it's like, yes, sir. We're, we're good. We're good. Very good. Yes, sir. And if, I mean, think about this, man, when it comes to Nick Foles. We, we know that he could be a streaky passer. You saw in that game where he had an inconsistent first quarter, right? But right. then he got hot in that second quarter. And he was really solid. 
So I think that where it comes down for Nagy is to, when this guy's getting to a rhythm, let him cook. Because when he had the Bucks off, off balance, I was like, dude, that was the perfect opportunity to strike because we just could have kept marching it down the field because then what ended up happening on that drive, right? He substitutes. We, uh, we get, we had the strip sack, uh, Foles fumbles and we lose 15 yards on the play. And we have to settle for that 47 yard field goal. I'm going to pick it back on one thing here, you know, and you're right. We need to let, let Foles um, loose a little bit. Um, one thing that I looked at, and maybe you already done this as well, is you looked at how you played with the Eagles, right? Yep. They opened it up for him. They opened the door up and say, Hey, we're going to run a certain style and we're going to let you air it out. And the Bears can't run that type of style. I think sometimes Nagy gets into this concept of wanting to, you know, uh, do these gadget plays, right? To do too much of that mixing up schemes that sometimes forget that, hey, let's just open the playbook up and let this guy lose. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he also has to realize that it's not always about being the smartest guy in the room, right? Because we know that Nagy's playbook, we know he's a play, he's an offensive wizard. Uh, right. But I think when he has a veteran quarterback like Foles, you brought this guy here for a reason. This was your quarterback that you wanted in here. So have faith in this quarterback and let him do what he does best because he knows that offense. If he's calling audibles and he's getting these guys up to the line of scrimmage and playing more of a hurry game, let him do it because it was working. I agree. It was also interesting with that whole situation, just seeing like it was a nice give and take scenario between Nagy and and Foles because uh, Foles was very animated and you could tell that Nagy was listening. He was taking that shit, right? And he was listening. He was listening. And we saw a lot in the past, A-Dub, when Nagy was having conversations with Mitch, they were always more one-sided, right? Right. (laughs) And Mitch never really had nothing to say. He was mostly listening. And it was because a lot of times I think Nagy was still schooling them. He was still giving them little nuggets, right? Right. You see a little different with these two guys. It's like now it's a partnership between Foles and Nagy. That's what it looks like to me. Right. Um, But like I said, in that situation, Nagy probably saw it as a touchdown, uh, as an opportunity to get a touchdown. And and Foles just wanted to keep the momentum going. So in that case, I saw both of their points. But for me, I think you got to let the veteran quarterback, if he was cooking, let him cook, man. But Exactly. But I would say this, man. This is a new dynamic for us Bears fans. And I look forward to seeing how this play-calling relationship between these two evolves uh, over the course of this season, they dub. Absolutely. It's going to be a back-and-forth thing. You know, uh, sometimes Nagy going to you know see some things they like, and sometimes Foles going to see some things that he likes. So uh, either way it go, as long as whatever they decide to do works, I'm fine with it. Me too, man. Me too. Well, look, let's, look in, let's look back at these last five games, A-Dub. So outside of Darnell Mooney, who we've highlighted a lot on this show because, man, this rookie, he's looked very impressive, right? He's actually taken a lot of snaps from Anthony Miller, right? So he's now right. evolved into that second target for Foles. But right. when you look at this team, A-Dub, outside of Mooney, who's like the biggest surprise for you, player-wise? It's not a big surprise to me, but it may be a big surprise to you because you okay. went on the radar with it. Um, Jimmy Graham. Okay. I think Jimmy Graham has been a surprise to me because you know why I say surprise from this standpoint? Because I was looking for um, Cole Commit to spend like equal time with them on the you know, playing tight end. But it looks yep. like Jimmy Graham's taking over that role um, dynamically, you know, over that role mostly. And that, in fact, he's been producing in the red zone. So with that, I've been you know, uh, surprised to see him this much involved in our offense. So I didn't expect this coming uh, in this season. I thought you'd be part of it, but I think you'd be this big of a part of it in the red zone. Well, I'm basically going to ready to surprise you, sir, because he actually is my surprise player. So you remember, man, I've been very critical of him, even back with our first episodes when we talked about Pace's acquisitions, right? And I said, man, why do we get this guy $16 million, a no-trade clause, and $9 million guaranteed? I'm like, 
These ain't the Saints, uh, Jimmy Graham. Drew Brees ain't coming out of that locker room. What are we doing, right? Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but I will, to your point, say, man, he's definitely brought a, a bit of a swagger and an edge to that offense and also that tight end room. Because let's just be honest, bro. We had the worst tight ends in the fucking league last year, right? That's true. <laughs> we had 11 of them, and they basically it was probably about one, if you look at it at the end of the day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's I mean, true. It, it was embarrassing, right? So It was. When you have a guy like that, you bring him in, he was mixing it up with guys in training camp, and he was letting these guys know off the bat that he was here to, to get things done. He had a chip on his shoulder. And I liked kind of hearing that at training camp, but I was still more on the fence about it because I said, you know what? All I was thinking of is what he did last season with the Panthers, I mean, with the Packers and how he had his worst, you know, statistical uh, season since his rookie year, right? And I saw that, I'm like, well, when he was with the Seahawks and he was playing with Russell Wilson, who, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I'm like, I'm looking at him with these great quarterbacks and I'm like, he's not putting up any numbers. He's not having any success. So how do I think that he's going to come here and have any success? Well, guess what? He's really surprised me, man, because those four touchdowns in the red zone and that one-handed catch on Thursday that we talked about, right? that, that was big time. It was. Let me add a couple more things to, uh, about, uh, about Jimmy Graham. Yeah. You know, he, when he played for Green Bay, you know, one season he had three touchdowns, 2019. 2018, he had two touchdowns. That's five total in two seasons with those guys. Mm-hmm. Like you already said, he got four already. Right. Only played five games. Curry got four TDs already, you know? So, uh, to me, that's a good sign right there. It seems like he might end up getting somewhere near, at this pace, he may get about 8 to 10, which is what he got in 2017 with his last year in Seattle. He got 10 TDs. So, he might end up getting that much with us uh, by the end of the season, or maybe even more. Who knows? We'll see. I'll take it, man. His best game with us was against the Falcons. That was the game where he had the two touchdowns. And let's just think about this, A-Dub, and it's really pathetic, but I'm going to bring it up. Jimmy Graham has four touchdowns on the season. Last season, our tight end group produced two touchdowns all of last season. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Major ouch, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the guys that had those touchdowns for us aren't even on the roster right now. It was Jas- Jasper Horstead and then Brent Ronaker. <laughs> right. So we had to start off fresh then with um, Jimmy Graham and Commit. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I will say that, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly coming around on him. We'll see uh, how the season progresses. But Jimmy Graham, you're showing me something, man. Keep, keep up. Because if he can keep getting those red zone uh, targets like that, that is a dynamic weapon that we have not had at that tight end position. Was, since we had Martellus Bennett, I would say. Right, right. I agree. It's been a while since so we had a good tight end like this. So we'll, we'll take it right now. Hell yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's circle into uh, one of your underrated players and um, looking back at these uh, last five games. My underrated performer so far, uh, other than him, I would say, you know what, I'm going to um, go with Daniels. I understand he got hurt, but okay. man. You, big you big know, James. Big yeah, James. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with Big James, man, you know, because uh, Big James impressed me, you know. Uh, with even seeing how he's played so far this year, I understand he got hurt. That's a big critical loss for us. But, man, Big James was actually handling some of those guys. I understand, you know, um, a couple guys got through on them, you know, um, when that strong defense against the Colts because, they're, again, they're, they're just that good. They can't really go them down for so long, right? You only go them down for so long when you got top-tier pass rushers like that. But anyhow, you look at these five games, James Daniels actually held his own ground. And you saw what happens soon he goes out the game. <laughs> yeah. At least the game bringing one guy, right? And what happened? Yep. His name gets called. <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I like Big James, man. Hey, look, man, hey, look, I wish we had him out there right now, of yep. course, but um, he's been phenomenal, man. Um, been durable up until this point, and um, I'll tell you right now, we're really going to miss him while he's out. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Because I'll tell you this, man. Not only did he learn from that rookie season that he had, but he and I, we mentioned this on our earlier pods, but he bulked up, man. He added that muscle, and he was out there pancaking dudes, bro. Like he, yes, he was. was putting people on their ass, and you love to see that. Exactly, and you're right. That muscle came in handy this year because <laughs> <laughs> he actually proved that some of those uh, rushing yards we were getting with him moving guys around, you know, staying with the plague, staying in it. Still, you know, fighting and, and then when, uh, you know, pulling, I was like, yeah, that's what we need right there, you know, on down that offensive line. Because actually, he did open some holes for uh, Montgomery um, early in the season. We went against the uh, the Giants. Um, he opened some holes up for against him against Detroit as well. So I would say, you know, Big James, you know, showing us that he's actually still improving and that he can even get even better. Yeah, and I thought another advantage to his game was also the blocks that he was able to make at the second level, right? So he would able he would be able to get off the initial block and then get to that next level of the defense and make another block, right? And I think absolutely for a guard, that's so important, right? Because that's how I you agree. spring those big plays. Yes, sir. So yes, that's no, that's a good one, bro. That's a good one. I think for me, when I look at maybe one of my, the most underrated players on that roster, I have to give it to Cordell Patterson. He's just a jack of all trades, that Swiss Army knife. And when you have a guy that you could plug at running back, right? You have a mm-hmm. guy that basically can play wide receiver. And then you have him back there returning kicks, and he's the best at that in the league, right? He's electric with the ball in his hands. We saw on Thursday night. I mean, look at those returns when they had that camera angle and it looked like he was running towards you in the living room. I right. was like, man, I don't want no smoke. Get this camera <laughs> angle away from me. <laughs> right, right. You got a dude that's 230 pounds and he's running like a 4-3-4-4, man. That's like, dude, that is insane. And so a guy like that, bro, my only issue is with the way that Nagy uses him because for some reason, A-Dub, I don't understand why he still runs him on those halfback dive plays. With a guy like that, last week I thought it was great when they would leak him out of the backfield and they would throw those balls, flaring them over the, the linebacker or safety's head, and then right. let him get that open space, right? Right, absolutely. That's where he cooks. I think Nagy saw something in that with utilizing his speed, right? Because that's what you got to do. With guys can run that fast, um, pretty big at that with that size, got some good hands, got to utilize them in the passing game a little bit better. And I thought Nagy did a good job on those plays you mentioned to where you utilize them at. Exactly. I mean, and also, too, I mean, let's not forget – he leads the league in return yards right now, A-Dub. And I'm telling you, with our team and with our offense being what they can be at times, the advantage of having good field position can't be lost on anybody in this fan base. Oh, man. That field position that he provides, you know you're going to get one at least two from him every game, right? Because yep. he's going to put it out there. Now, look, when we start the 40-yard line or somewhere near the 40, I said we're in good position now. So we only need about, what, 30 more yards or 40 to get into field goal range. So – that's what you like, right, having that short field when you have a guy like him. The one uh, – and I'm not going to call it a negative, but one of the, the things on the scouting report with him is that he has more of an upright running stance, right? So right. which means when he's running up the gut, it's not the best or more effective way for him to have the ball. If you get him in space with the way that he runs, he's running away from people. Yeah, you mentioned a good point with him standing up strong, running through holes like that through the middle. You can't run up the middle that way. I'm surprised he have not got hit hard when he fumbled. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The only person we've ever seen have that type of running stance and it worked in the league was Eric Dickerson back in the day. He used to run like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, look, it's a a reason guys don't run that way anymore. (laughs) No, man. Uh Uh-uh. It's a different league, bro. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, earlier you were getting ready to go into your underperforming player. So I'm going to let you cook on that. What you got for us? Underperforming player? You know what? I was going to go... Miller on that part of underperforming, but I have someone that's bigger concern to me than Miller right now. Who's that? And Robert Quinn. Okay. The milk curtain man. 
Yeah, yeah, man. And it's concerns because, you know what, I looked at, you know, his snaps, right? I'm looking at how much he's, he's actually playing. He's not playing a lot, really, you know, if you really no, think about it. Week one, he missed, he missed week one, right? Didn't play week one. Uh, week two, he was out there 30, 38% of the time. Week three, 47. Week four, 44. And week five, he's out there 58% of snaps. So you kind of wonder if he's going to if he's going to continue to go up or he's going to stay around this 50% or whatever uh, uh, area. So I, I am concerned about that because we're not getting that same production that Dallas Cowboys got out of him, right? Uh, previously. Yeah. And it and, seems uh, like they're ramp- and they're ramping him up slowly, it looks like, right? Yeah, because I, I was going to ask the question here. Is he still injured? Is he still hobbling around? Is that still a concern for us? Because you know what? We're going into now week six, and we haven't seen no dominance from him yet. So I'm wondering if he's still aching for all that money we spent on him, right? Yeah. I mean, think about this, man. You know, you a business guy like I am. Uh, for a five-year deal that averaged at $14 million with $30 million guaranteed, I don't see us getting that return on investment with this deal so far because he's made two plays so far right. uh, with his Bears career. That strip sack in his first play, and then Thursday night when he picked up the football. Right. That's been right. it. That's it. So we got no production out of him at all. I mean, I think Mingo has played better than him. <laughs> he has. He has. He just needs to change his number. But, yeah, he's playing well. <laughs> Let's take that 50 off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but you brought up a good point when it came to Quinn, right, because he did miss week one with the ankle injury. And for some reason it seems like they're ramping him up slowly. So maybe he still does have some sort of an injury that he's playing through. You never know, man, because they, they're going to keep that close to the vest. But those snaps, that's an important thing that you brought up for our listeners to think about. Also, too, and when you think about Quinn, and we're going to talk about this to, to this podcast <laughs> is going to just keep going. But when Robert Quinn is not effective, then teams are able to key on Khalil Mack. Correct. And we have to make sure that Robert Quinn is doing – enough in those one-on-one matchups that he's getting, and he needs to beat and win those matchups because nobody's going to double-team Robert Quinn's. You know, let's just be honest. You get a chance to go one-on-one. It's like saying, you know, you got Shaq on your team, you Kobe, you get to go one-on-one. Right. You better cook. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because in that situation, Khalil Mack getting double and, and sometimes triple-team, you got Hakeem Hicks is getting beat up in the middle. Man, you should have double-digit sacks at the end of the season, Quinn, at the least. Exactly. Exactly. With those weapons you got, matter of fact, you got stronger weapons with the Bears than you had when you used over there in Dallas. So Yeah, that's true. That should true. be easier. It should, the job should be a lot easier playing with us than it was playing with the Cowboys. Yeah, so I would just say this. We, we're going to need to see more cons- consistent pressure and plays from Robert Quinn, man. We Robert Quinn, we need you to step up, man. We need you to hit uh, Teddy Bridgewater a lot on Sunday, bro. Absolutely. And again, if, you, if you're hurt or still got some injuries you're worried about, I think, hey, Nagy, put in the scout report. I mean, it's okay. At least we have an idea why, 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 what's going on with his slow performance. At least we have an idea. Right. That's true. But Robert Quinn, he's been on that milk carton, man, outside of two plays. So <laughs> right. we need to see more production out of you, man. Exactly. Um, my other performing player is uh, somebody that we haven't talked about on the podcast. And he's somebody that I actually like overall. But this season, these first five games, I've thought that Cody Whitehair could do a lot more. Um, I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to say that he's been the worst offensive lineman. And anyone that's a fan of this podcast and has listened to it, you all know who I think the worst offensive lineman on this team is. We're not going to retrace it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. But we know who he is. (laughs) Exactly. But but I would just say this, man. When I look at a Cody Whitehair, my expectation is for him to be our best lineman. And through these five games, he hasn't been that. He hasn't, um, to me, he hasn't lived up to those expectations. 
And also, too, let's look at this A-Dub. The last three games, he struggled. Um, and even though he did face Grady Jarrett and De- De- uh, DeForest Buckner and Vita Vey, I mean, those are defensive uh, geniuses and elite defensive linemen type of guys. But guess what? You're a pro bowler, man. So you're supposed to uh, answer the challenge and answer the bell when you're playing against guys like that. When I was looking at the uh, All-22 film from that Colts game, not only was uh, DeForest Buckner taking it to Cody Whitehair, but he was also struggling <laughs> against uh, – there was this uh, lineman uh, – that guy is Stewart on the coast. Yeah, that's Grover Stewart. You're talking about Grover yeah, Stewart. Yeah, Stewart. Yeah, you saw that too. Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah. And so when I look at that, I'm like, bro, come on, man. <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Yeah, so I would just say this, man. White, white hair the last four years, been solid for us, man. He got the contract extension well-deserved. But from what we've seen of him so far this season, man, we got to see more because right now it's been a down year for him. And if we're going to get to that next level, and, and go far in this postseason and whatnot, we're going to need to see better f- play from him in the run and pass game, uh, A-Dub. No, I agree with you, man. I, he, uh, he also struggled against Sue as well, you know. So it's just I've seen time at a time where I thought he would be a good matchup for those guys. And uh, I'm talking about the great ones, right, the good guys. The, the, yep. Like I said, the Vita Vea, the Sue's, and those guys. And looks like they took a little bit of advantage of him. And we expected more from White here as being, you know, the guy on our line who we thought would bring more to the table than um, many others, you know. But again, he's been solid, just not great. Because the thing about it is, when you look at a guy like that, you're thinking he's going to anchor this line. He's right. going to basically increase because he had James Daniels next to him. So he's going to solidify and make him better. And then Effetti, who's new to the team, he's going to help him as well. But in actuality, Daniels or Effetti were performing better than Cody White here to me. Yeah. And you hit another surprise guy over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> you hit another surprise guy, Effetti. So, yeah. When your offensive lineman, when his name's not getting called in the game, He's doing something right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because, fans, you guys know who name we hear way too often in these uh, damn games, and we see his jersey often. And with Effetti, we're seeing his, his jersey when he's bullying somebody over to clear a lane for Montgomery, you know, exactly. when it's there. When it's there. Let's go to something a little bit more positive. So, through the first five games, who's your team MVP? I think – jeez, oh, man, you, you, you coming hard at me, man. But you know what? <laughs> The first five games, what I'm going to say my team VP is I'm going to go with um, Khalil Mack as my okay. team VP. 52. Got to go 52, man, because you know what? To me, he's still the anchor of the defense. He allows everyone else to be themselves. I understand Hicks got some big plays in, right, some sacks. I understand Quinn um, was able to get, to get some um, tackles, a lot of tackles in there. Um, we, had, we, had, we saw the guys coming like Mingo come in and get some, get some good time in there. But guess what? Khalil Mack has been holding down those outsides, you know, and uh, with that, it forces these quarterbacks to either run a different direction or through that middle to where, guess what? You're now running away from um, Mack, but you're going to run to someone else like a Hicks. So for me, I still think Khalil Mack has been one of the top elite pressures out there. And also now you start to see him cook with getting some sacks. Yep. And the thing about it is this guy should draw way more holding penalties than he gets. He does not get the calls. Um, the guy, like you mentioned, he gets pressure on the quarterback, and he has to go through two or three guys just to get there, right? Right, exactly. But you see that when he's cooking, that whole defense as a whole is uh, their next level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and matter of fact, that allow our other guys in the secondary to be great because you know what? That quarterback got to release that ball a little bit too soon, right, than what, he is, than what he's expecting to do. And what that does, 
that causes a quarterback to make a mistake. And what that does, allow one of us to get a deflection or come up with an interception or in the fuller case, make a big hit. Well, I would say speaking to him, that's my team MVP. Who you got? My boy, Killer Kyle Fuller. Um, okay. I would say this, A-Dub. Kyle Fuller has come a long way. Do you remember back in 2017 when he was on the bubble of being cut from the roster? Talk to him. Man, Vic Fangio was not a fan of Kyle Fuller back then. He, he thought he was soft. He thought he was soft. <laughs> I agree. But <laughs> in fact, I think there's reports out there about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Kyle Fuller had that knee injury, and Fangio thought he could have come back from it, and I think Fuller sat out, didn't he? He sat out some games, yeah. For that yeah. Hit. So my thing was, he's come a long way from that guy. And I would tell you this, Kyle Fuller is the sixth most targeted cornerback in the entire National Football League. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you look at that. These teams, for some reason, still try to go after him. They still try to pick on him. But the guy is excellent in coverage, bro. He is. When, you, when, when running backs or when receivers catch a ball in any sort of thing in his area, he's going to make that tackle. Like nine times out of ten, he's going to bring that person down, right? Absolutely. And he's smart, right? Instinctual. And you can just tell that he's a student of the game. And in my opinion, A-Dub, I think he's a top five corner in this league. You know what? That's a very good question. You know what? I didn't think about him from the standpoint of being top five, but thinking about who the competition might be. You know what? I think he is top five. Yeah. I think he's top it. five. Yep. You think about yeah. it now. Because I'll say this, man. He's put together a very impressive uh, season uh, for anybody right now in the league. I would say in most positions. Um, and he showed up big time in, in that in that game on Thursday that you brought up with that big hit and, and then what he did in coverage. I mean, the guy is he's phenomenal, bro. I, I just I love the way he played because he changed the whole trajectory of Thursday night's game with that one big play, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So my whole thing is we've seen that he's been an All Pro performer in 2018. He's been to two Pro Bowls, but now this is going to be another All Pro season for him. If he could continue at this clip and how he's been playing, the sky's the limit. But to your point, Adub. A guy like Khalil Mack makes a job for a Kyle Fuller and a Jalen Johnson and a Bojack way easier because if he's putting that pressure on the quarterback, those quarterbacks are getting the ball out quicker. Right. And the thing is, this year, I see Kyle Fuller isn't afraid to make some plays when that ball gets in the air. <laughs> he's, he's going forward, man. So, um, you know, I, I, like his, I like his mentality. I really do. Yeah, man. And one thing, too, over the last few seasons, he's been very durable. Like, he's, been, he's played in every game, right? Yeah. Also – I'd say that he stands out on a team full of dogs because you think about that Bears defense. <laughs> you got Hakeem, Hakeem Hicks. You got Khalil Mack, right? You got, uh, you got Bojack, right? You got all right. these guys that have all this high profile, right? But then you got a guy like Kyle Fuller who's quiet, very stoic, doesn't really talk to the media that much, and just lets his play you know, do, do the talking for him. Right. That's my guy, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I like him, man. He's come out yeah. to perform put a good show on, and then guess what? He goes about his business. My thing is, too, he's probably one of the most underrated players on our defense, and I don't even want to think about, like, life without him being back there because if he's not over there on that left side of the uh, of the defense, I'm, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And the thing is, like about him, he's not shying away from some of these top, man, wide receivers. I mean, Hell no. he didn't run away from Ridley, did he? he didn't, Hell he didn't, no. He's, he's no. like, look, freak him out here. I'm ready. We're going to go. Yeah. Let's battle. Yeah, really got to play, but guess what? Kyle was like, all right, cool, what's up? What else you got? You know, right. that's the thing. Because we talked about this on the pod before, you know, but at that cornerback position, when you over there on that island, you know, hey, somebody, some, sometime a guy's going to get a play on you, right? Exactly. But you got to have that next play mentality when you play the DB position in the NFL. Kyle Fuller, that's my team MVP. You had Khalil Mack. 
the last thing I wanted to, to touch on with you on this on this segment, um, looking back at these five games, what do you think Nagy must do for us to continue with the path that we're going down winning these games? What's something that you think like, okay, Nagy's got to do blank? I saw one thing that Nagy did well last week going against a top defense, right, when we can't get any running going. Because there's going to be some more games we can't get any running going. What I like is putting our running backs in a position to catch the football, to become okay. our receivers. Okay. I like that. I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw um, Montgomery come out the backfield, I saw Patterson come out the backfield, make these guys become weapons. So think about it. Both of those guys picked up two key first down for us by coming out the backfield and catching the ball, right? Yep. Line those guys up on some of these linebackers, right? And let them outrun them and make good catches. Because these guys showing us that they can be part of the passing game. Let them be. Right, because you got to think about it. Like, to your point, use your weapons. <laughs> exactly. If Montgomery's not going to get any rushing yards, I- I'm okay with them getting passing yards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, because my thing is, him or Patterson with the ball in their hands in open space, we know both of these guys, either in Patterson's case, he can outrun people, and right. in, in, in uh, Montgomery's uh, place, he's not going to go down easily. Exactly. And Montgomery breaking tackles, and you and I both know that. So yep. I, that's what I like. Okay. I'm going to say Nagy must stop making excuses. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Talk to him. Talk I'm gonna to say, him. Thank you, man. I'm just going to say this, bro. I'm just sick of him always saying we need to run the ball better. I'm sick of him saying this offense can be so much better. We fucking know, bro. We right. know these things. <laughs> Tell us I something agree. that we don't know. <laughs> exactly. 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 So I'll just say this, A-Dub, it's just exhausting, bro, just to kind of keep hearing that from your head coach every time he talks to the media, right? It's just like the same thing over and over again. So my thing is, this is week six coming up. We got no more time to be hearing about them needing to jail. We got no more time to be hearing about people need to get on the same page. I got no more fucking patience to hear about the quarterback needs to get timing with his receivers or whatever the fuck other excuse he's going to have. I don't care anymore. We got a team right now that's 4-1. We got good momentum. And we got a matchup here week six that I feel like could be a trap game, right? Right, it is. So my thing is, we don't have time for these excuses, bro. You know, you guys have had all this time now. I hope that he's been watching a lot of film, (laughs) and I hope that they can get this stuff buttoned up because I'm just sick of nagging with the excuses, bro. We got to get this offense shored up. We got to get it better. We got to get it flowing that we don't have to depend on maybe the quarterback having a good one quarter of a game to win the game, and we got to depend on our defense. Like, we need the offense to do their part as well. Exactly. One of the things I want to add to this is that he needs to do differently is whatever we're saying at a halftime, scratch it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you brought up the point about the third quarters, right? Exactly. We not scored nothing in the third quarter. So whatever you're saying in the third quarter, man, coming out of halftime, and it's not working, Scratch it. Let someone else speak. <laughs> For real, right? It ain't working. It, it ain't, ain't working, working, man. I'm just going to be 100 with you, man. It's not working, man. The results are in the books now, man. Let's do something different. Also, too, I mean, think about this offense, A-Dub. It ranks 27th in the, NBA, in the NFL in yards per game, right? Right. Somewhere I mean, down there. That's bottom five, bro. Yes. I mean, so, and then also, they ranked the 26th in scoring this year. So that's right. also bottom five. Right. So over the last season and a half, this office has tried out a bottom five unit. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, we need to see a major uptick in this area. 
if we're going to make it far in the postseason. You know, because you can't squander a 4-1 start. We're, we're in a really good situation right now because our fan base probably didn't expect for us to be 4-1 right now. I mean, you and I both thought we would be like 3-2 and two at this point. Oh, but, I, I definitely did, yeah. Yeah, but I'll say this, man. If this pattern continues, man, bigger changes are going to be on the forefront. So that's why I said Nagy must stop making excuses because if he don't get this short up, we're going to have to look at who's going to be a new play caller for this team because I'm not coming for him for his job because I think that Nagy does a great job with leading this team. This team doesn't quit. But right. the play calling aspect of things, I still think that he's still very inconsistent there. And I think that if he doesn't get this thing short up, that they may have to take this away from him. What do you think there? No, I think you make a good point, man, because guess what? If we can't run a football, we, bet, we better know how to pass it. We can't be bad at both, right? So that's kind of how it has to be with us. So now that you can't control how we're going to run, how we're going to throw the football, you already said we got issues in the backfield, right? We got to do better with that. But guess mm-hmm. what? We got to do better in passing as well and play calling. So uh, you had a good week, a couple of good weeks where you called pretty well. But guess what? Got to improve on that. If you're not going to be the one making the plays or calling them very well, let someone else do it. And also give Foles the keys to do more audibles. Give him the keys. <laughs> exactly. Give him the keys. <laughs> but, but I'm saying this, man, when it comes to Nagy, we know that he's an offensive wizard. His scheme right. can get anybody open. I mean, you, you see when you watch the film, there's guys open all, all the time in his, in his offense, exactly. right? Exactly. I agree. But scheming versus the play calling and having a feel for the game, sometimes I think it escapes from A-Dub. And that's where when we saw in that interaction that he had with Foles on the sideline, that was a perfect example of that where Nagy didn't have a feel for that moment in the game. It just he in my not. opinion. Yeah. He did not. He actually slowed down our momentum like we talked about. Yeah. He picked on Nagy a couple games ago in that Colts game when he kept calling those fucking bubble screens. Yeah. And, and, and the Colts obviously scouted that because they knew it was coming and he kept calling that shit. It's like he has to have a rhythm for the play calls to see like, hey, if these guys are lined up a certain way, maybe we need to let our quarterback audible out of this play call because it's not going to work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm with you, man. I'm with you because I think you're right. He gets too caught up with what he wants to do. And guess what? Nagy, if you want to run that, that want to call a play that way, sometimes it's going to be checkmate on you. So you got to have your quarterback to make an audible when we see that the play that you call isn't going to work. Exactly, bro. Exactly. The last thing I'm just going to say on this point, and I don't know how you feel about it, but for Nagy, we need to see more creative play calling getting his weapons in positions where they can have success, right? I think we need to up-tempo because you got a quarterback in Nick Foles that once he gets hot, he's going to just keep completing the ball. I mean, we saw that when he was with the Eagles, man. He was automatic. Once he got into a rhythm, it was just completion after completion after completion, right? Exactly. Let him streak. If you're going to be streak, let him be streaky. Yeah. Um, so I went with you. One thing you mentioned I thought was very important for our uh, listeners to understand is that their creativity. You hit it right on the head because those plays we saw from Montgomery and Patterson out the backfield when they caught those passes, we haven't seen it all season until last game. So get creative with those kind of things like that. Something we see that working, that works, let's continue doing it until they do something to stop it. Well, before we get out of here, we wanted to do a a quick update on our our contest. So all you listeners know that we're doing a contest in the month of October for autographed Allen Robinson football. Extend A-Rob. That's our channel over here. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so we wanted to just do a quick uh, top three update for you guys. So right now in first place in the contest is uh, Mitchell Galloway. In second place, we have Cousin Heidi. And in third place, we have a tie between Sarah Carter and Murdy World. 
And A-Dub, I wanted to throw this at you because Sarah Carter reached out to us on Twitter. Uh, remember when we were going back and forth on the last episode about a nickname for uh, Jalen Johnson? Yes. She came up with Outlaw. What do you think about that one? Whoa. Kind of like Outlaw a little bit. I kind of like that. Right? Outlaw? I want to see if it's going to grow up. Let's see if that's going to grow on us. Outlaw. Yeah. We have to see, right? Because I'll tell you one thing. His name, so it's not like, you know, back in the day, you had certain guys, they just had a name, and it was just like, you know what? That guy has the perfect nickname, so we could just call him this. But it's tough with Jalen Johnson. We're going to have to think on that a little bit. Yeah, I I came up with a small name. I'm not sure it's going to stick. I thought about J-Rock. I'm not sure that's going to stick at all. I don't know. That didn't sound too good, but I don't know. We'll see. But I do like Outlaw as well. We'll see. We'll see, right? (laughs) I like Outlaw, though. I'm going to hold on to that Outlaw, though. I'm going to hold on to that one. Yeah, you know what, Sarah Carter, she's all right. She uh, she came for me though on Twitter, man, because in the last episode I said that uh, Tom Brady only had five rings when he had six. So okay. She, she, yeah. So you know what? But at least we know people listening, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I told her I said we we good sports over here, man. We good. And <laughs> hey, hey, guess what? You, you you gave them five because guess what? That year they when they, uh, they had those scandals going on, right? See, you already know. See, See that's see, why that's why I love you, fam. See, take that away, take that ring away. <laughs> Asterisk. That don't count. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, uh, for our uh, listeners of the podcast, we're gonna throw out a quick bonus question to you guys because we want to make sure that even though people are participating on Twitter, we still want people to actually support this podcast and listen to our episodes every week. We want you guys to be able to get an advantage in this contest as well. When we post this episode tomorrow, we want our listeners to. Reach out to us on Twitter and let us know how you guys feel about Matt Nagy. What can Matt Nagy do differently to help this team get to the next level? So shoot us some of your ideas over. You'll earn some bonus points from that. And we just want to see what you guys think when it comes to our head coach. Um, so, man, this has been a fun episode. We gave you guys a little bonus episode. At first, we weren't going to do one, but you so, but me and A-Dub said, man, you know what? Let's get back on here, man. I don't want to wait 10 days before we come back on air. So, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. A-Dub, go ahead and sign us off, brother. Thanks for listening to the Very Centers Podcast. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. On our next episode, we will recap the Week 6 matchup against the Carolina Panthers. Bear Nation, come bear down with us. Peace.